The beef industry is feeling the heat. That heat is the ongoing campaign directed at cattle as a negative force upon the environment and in particular climate. While the industry in Europe, Australia, New Zealand, and North America is already striving to reduce the environmental impact of cows, the rest of the world is also getting on side. The Global Roundtable for Sustainable Beef is a worldwide organization that has set an ambitious 30% reduction in climate impact goal through responsible and innovative agricultural practices coupled with the use of new technology. Ruri Peter, the executive director of the GRSB, says, Paramount in our mission is animal health and welfare. Cattle require an environment in which they can thrive. Essential elements in ensuring the industry meets its targets are grassland management and herd size. Professor Miles Allen, an IPCC climate scientist and professor at Oxford University, says a stable herd size is one that is not adding new methane and therefore has a minimal impact. And more interestingly, if the herd size declines, the impact on climate will actually be a reduction in global temperatures. For the Global Roundtable, it says that's just one element in its comprehensive plan to address climate and environment. Peter says many producers and farmers are already net positive contributors to nature, and for those that need assistance in making positive changes, the GRSB offers financing and developmental support. I invited Rory Peter to join me from Nelson, New Zealand, for a conversation that matters about the global effort underway to ensure cattle are a sustainable, nutritional, and environmental part of the global food supply. Rory, thank you for joining me. Thank you for inviting me. Pleasure to be here. Tell me, you know, as I outlined in my uh, introduction, so many parts of uh, the world are already making many of these moves, but from a global perspective, why is it important that all uh, cattle farmers or ranchers get on the same page? I mean, if you look at the global beef industry and the way that we are criticized in the mainstream media, they use global figures. And those global figures can be quite misleading because what the average consumer, let's say, in Canada is eating is, of course, Canadian beef. The footprint of your Canadian beef is not the global average. It's not the same as comparing it to something produced, I don't know, in, in Southern Africa, for example. So we've got national and regional roundtables all around the world who are working on these issues. And is it important then that all of these different associations around the world start to uh, subscribe to the same standards that we're seeing in Europe or in New Zealand? I think it's important that we're all moving, you know, continuously improving. That's what our, our sort of modus operandi is. We, we want to see everybody getting better. We, we recognize that we're all probably at a different point in evolution uh, as we start. And the important thing is to be continuously getting better at what we do. So one of the things that I know about large ruminants, cattle, of course, being a major component of that because of their relationship within our food supply, is that without them, grasslands actually suffer. And grasslands are an important uh, carbon sink. 
What are you doing to help to ensure that one, that message is understood, but two, that you're working with farmers and other agencies to help to promote the benefits that large grazing ruminants bring to grasslands? There's a lot of work in this area. Now, GRSB itself is, is really a member association, so it's our members who directly interact uh, with producers. In Canada, you've got the Canadian Roundtable for Sustainable Beef, and they're, they're doing a lot of work uh, together with the Canadian Cattlemen's Association and producers to spread that message and to get producers on board with it. Um, we have similar members around the world. Uh, some of them, for example, the, you'll have heard of the Savory Institute. They work very closely with producers and they manage a lot of land uh, in a holistic way as they talk about it, or regenerative is the other word that's being used a lot these days. And that is essentially managing grazing to ensure that you are having that positive impact. Because um, the reason for all of this to exist is that it's possible to do it badly and it's possible to do it well. It's important that we get everybody on, on the right side of that equation. What are the components of doing it well? Because, you know, we all worry about what uh, doing it badly and we, and we tend to focus on that. But what are the components of managing that uh, natural environment that the cattle live in uh, in a way that ensures sustainability? Yeah, I mean, grasslands all over the world evolved with with grazers, so grazers are an essential part of maintaining grasslands in a, in a healthy state. But the way that natural grazing systems evolved is that they would be grazed relatively intensively by animals for, for a fairly short period, and then the animals would be moving on. And if you can mimic that type of system, a natural grazing system on a ranch, then you're going to be contributing to nature. You're going to be helping a natural system. You'll be sequestering more carbon. And it'll vary from place to place, but essentially the, the elements are grazing relatively intensively and rest. So enough rest to allow that grass to recover and get to the stage where the root development is putting carbon back into the soil so that when it's regrazed, you're not uh, stressing the plant too much, but you're allowing it uh, to put carbon into the soil and uh, keep growing again. You know, for the layperson, they may go, hang on a second, you're telling me that grazing of grasslands, these big animals moving across those grasslands is actually good for the grass? It's not harmful to it? Isn't the idea that if we get them off of there, the grass will be allowed to grow freely without such an, uh, an invasive uh, creature, you know, chomping on the grass, kicking it up with its hooves, you know, urine, uh, saliva, poop, all those things, isn't that actually bad for the grass? No, quite the reverse. Uh, grazers are essential to grassland health. Grass is unique in the way it grows. It, it grows from the base rather than from the tip, and it's designed to be grazed, uh, you know, down to, you know, that sort of height, uh, and then recover. And as long as you give it enough time to recover, uh, what happens when it's grazed is some of the roots are uh, excised, it's called, and that puts carbon back into the soil. And then as it recovers and grows, the root system regrows, and that system is really putting carbon into the soil. So grassland ecosystems have evolved uh, over millennia, of course, with grazers, and they can have extremely high levels of carbon in the soil. Uh, if you look at some of the, the soils in the Great Plains in North America, those soils are really deep, and that's essentially because over millennia they've been grazed by buffalo, and the grasses and the, and the buffalo uh, 
dung and urine, etc., has actually built that soil up. So a lot of people who are uncertain about the, uh, uh, the contribution of uh, cattle to the environment go, yeah, but wouldn't we be better off using those lands, those grasslands, to produce other foods that humans can consume rather than relying on that process of the cattle eating them and then we eat the cattle? A lot of grasslands are in regions of the world where it's really not possible to grow human edible crops. Uh, estimates vary, and of course, from country to country, it is uh, variable. But grasslands occupy about two thirds of the surface of, of the land, and you know, two thirds of that is not suitable for growing human edible crops. So we we need to make use of that land to produce food, and our only real option is through well managed livestock. When you say two-thirds, you're not talking about two-thirds of all land. You're talking about two-thirds of uh, arable land. It's my understanding that that two-thirds is what is known as marginal arable land. Am I, am well, I right about that? agricultural land. Yes. Yeah. Um, so arable would be where you can grow crops, and agricultural land would include grazing land. Right. And so it's important to, to understand that those grasslands can't be used for growing, you know, uh, soybeans or wheat or, or barley, it's actually grassland is about the only uh, vegetation that's going to grow there that can ultimately be converted into a food source that we as human beings can consume. Exactly. And, and you're taking raw materials that humans can't eat and you take, you know, sunlight, rainfall and grass, which we can't eat, and you're producing a high value uh, food source. I mean, it's, it's, an ideal system and it integrates well with other elements of the food system. So that's one element of reducing the climate impact. What else are you doing? Because you talked about uh, innovation and, and technology being a part of this mix. What are some of the other elements in that sentence? Yeah, what I think we'll see in the coming years is an increased level of uh, opportunity to reduce uh, enteric emissions, so that's the methane that cows burp, um, by adding feed additives. And at the moment, that's most feasible in a system where you're, you've got cattle confined, for example, in a feedlot. You can add something to the feed, and that targets the organisms in the rumen that actually produce the methane and can reduce it by a significant amount. At the moment, some of the commercial preparations are capable of reducing it by about 30%, but we've seen research into um, seaweed, uh, Asparagopsis taxiformis, where you can actually get a reduction of over 80% in methane emissions uh, in live cattle. So that is really promising. It's not yet commercialized, it's not on the market, but I do see that coming. Is, is that because uh, by having these additives, what you're doing is you're making the digestive process easier for the cattle, and so therefore they're not having to work so hard, and I guess by extension they produce less methane? Yeah, there are organisms inside the rumen called archaea that actually use energy from feed to produce methane. So there's a, there's a downside for the producer there as well, because some of the feed that's going into those cows is being returned as methane, which isn't beneficial to the producer and isn't you know, contributing to the growth of that animal. So if you can knock those archaea out, 
you can actually improve the feed efficiency while reducing the methane. Does that mean that when the cattle are actually in the feedlot, that as far as a global warming potential from you know their methane immersion uh, emissions through burping, that they're actually the the amount of methane that's emitted from being on the feedlot is less than if they were left in the field and were only grass fed. Well, currently that is the case because the the feed that they get when they're in a feedlot, which is a relatively short period of their life, but while they're in the feedlot, that feed that they're receiving is more digestible. So it is. It's just simpler for their digestive system to convert that into, into beef. Um, I think with the addition of these um, methane inhibitors, that efficiency will improve even further. Uh, that's not to say that grass production is a, is a negative thing, because while they're on grass, they can also be sequestering soil carbon which wouldn't happen while they're in the feedlot. So th there's a balance there, and I don't want to paint right. one system as inherently better than the other. I think they complement each other very well. Uh, is it impractical to have methane, or methane as you uh, call it, uh, capture systems within barns um, from you know, digestive burping? Um, and it would be fantastic if they could, but I'm not sure how you could do that. And, and still maintain an appropriate environment for the, for the cattle to live in that uh, ensures their greater health and well-being. Yeah, that, that I have not heard anybody talk about. But what I have seen is barns where you're actually, you've got either slatted floors or another collection system for the dung so that it's going into a biodigester. And that can also have a huge impact on methane emissions because... Um, the other source, big source of methane emissions is from slurry. And if you can capture that from a biodigester, then you're essentially taking that entire um, section of the methane emissions and, and using it for constructive purposes. So that is something I've actually seen on a feedlot in uh, Minnesota. And by doing that, by improving the genetics and improving uh, the composition of the feed ration, they'd actually managed to reduce their emissions by around about, they thought, in the region of 75 to 80%, which is a huge reduction, of course. Well, I can tell you that also that there is a company here in the uh, greater Vancouver area that's doing that very work as well. They have created a, uh, um, a methane capture system for that very purpose, and it's working well because they capture that gas, and then they're able to use it for other purposes. So... There's a couple of things. Is there anything else on, on the list that we should uh, be looking at going, okay, that's pretty innovative thinking that people in the cattle sector are applying to reducing the en environmental impact of cattle and ensuring their sustainability? Yeah, in general, if you look at the trend that's taken place in, um, let's say, uh, higher income countries over the last three, four decades, you can see that we're producing more beef now than we were 30 years ago, but we're doing it with fewer cattle. And essentially, there, there are just a lot of efficiencies in there. And one of them, it, it sounds really basic, but producing a calf, one calf every year from a cow, is a huge efficiency improvement. Because if you consider that you, if you were to go to two calves, you know, one calf every two years, that would be half as efficient. You'd need twice as many cows. 
So as soon as you can produce one calf every year from your cows, that is a leap forward in terms of efficiency. And there's large parts of the world where that is definitely not yet the case. So uh, we could reduce the size of the supporting herd while just continuing to produce as much beef. Uh, so that in itself is one. And I think welfare, health and welfare, is a huge contributor to producing a calf every year. Okay, that health and welfare also brings up the issue of uh, barns. What techno technological changes have been made to help to enhance uh, the quality of life and the health and welfare of the animals? Well, just ensuring that animals have got adequate space is quite interesting research from Brazil uh, where they looked at the performance of cattle in feedlots and they would typically be open feedlots, but um, they found that increasing the amount of space in those feedlots for the cattle also improved the performance of the cattle. And I guess it's fairly obvious that if you have access to the feed bunk at all times, because there's no bullying going on to get access to the feed bunk, that, that will improve performance of the animals that are not so, um, you know, aggressive, let's say. Um, so providing adequate space is important. Providing uh, pain mitigation is really important. That's also been demonstrated to have a really positive impact on performance. There are, there are a lot of things, and we just need to make sure that um, awareness of those is increased and access to training for people who have not yet had the opportunity to learn about them. I realized my question was a little bit off base because when I was talking about barns, I was actually thinking about uh, dairy, uh, where there have been also great improvements there. But when it comes to feedlots and, of course, cattle grazing, they're not in a barn. Um, you know, one of the other interesting components that I find about uh, uh, the arguments that, that we keep hearing about uh, cattle is water use. Uh, that there, that cattle require that like the creation of a pound of uh, hamburger requires more water than the creation of a uh, a plant-based uh, replacement product is that true it's an interesting uh, discussion and this comes from a methodology called water footprinting and water footprinting is based on three types of water so there's green water and that's just rain falling on the land. And then you've got blue water, which is water which is basically extracted, so it could be uh, from a borehole. Uh, and then you've got gray water, which means how much water ends up being polluted as a result of your activities. Now, for cattle production, which really takes place on grasslands, uh, the green water footprint is around about 93% of all the water. Because that it falls say, from the sky. <laughs> it's rain falling on grasslands. And you would never, ever say that that's a bad thing. Rain falling on grasslands is essential to the health of the environment, to the, to the health of those grasslands, and to the recharge of aquifers. Because green water does not include runoff. It only is the water that falls on the land and remains either in the soil or goes into aquifers. It's, it's a positive thing. So when people talk about those very large figures, they're actually including um, essential water cycle, which, which we need for survival. It's remarkable. When you take a look at the sustainability uh, beef, and of course I know that, that you believe that this is all possible, 
what are the most significant uh, elements that have to be sort of uh, like undertaken in the next uh, decade or so globally to ensure that we can say with absolute confidence that this industry is meeting its targets? We need to become a positive contributor to nature everywhere uh, because that is one of the areas that we're really criticized for a lot. And there is still places in the world where land is being converted to produce cattle. And there are also places in the world where native grasslands are being converted to grow crops, which may or may not end up being fed to, to livestock. So that being a positive contributor to nature is a really important part. And uh, we really have to work particularly I would say in Latin America, but there are also other parts of the world where this is happening, to really move away from cutting down forests, but go towards restoring some degraded lands. There are degraded rangelands and croplands all around the world in which cattle could definitely play a part in um, restoring them and in becoming a positive contributor to nature. So. That, for me, is a huge area. The second one is the emissions part, and it's not because I think that our emissions are a huge contributor. It's just that climate change is real, and it is happening, and it will affect our own industry. If we don't do something about it, we are also going to suffer. You've seen it through the massive heat wave that you've recently had in Canada. You've seen it through the bushfires in Australia you know, last year. Uh, all of these things directly impact our ability to produce food and you know the human population is growing we need to produce food we need to produce high quality proteins for people to eat so we need to get on board with the fact that it's not just the beef industry it's all of us need to be contributing to minimizing the impact of climate change how important is it also that we look at uh, people in your sector in the cattle sector and say you care as much as the rest of us do I think that is important. That's, that's part of perception, isn't it? We need to show that our values are the same. We care about the environment. We care deeply about nature. I mean, most of the people who are out there on ranches producing cattle, they're not doing it because it's making them uh, millions of dollars. They're doing it because they love it. They love the environment in which they live and in which they work. They love cattle and they love doing the job they do. So I think it's important we show all of those things and demonstrate how much we do care for the environment and about the food system. Well, I applaud your efforts because I uh, also appreciate the fact that uh, cattle play such a vital role in the overall ecosystem of food production, but also in the way that they help the natural habitat to remain healthy. Uh, you know, congratulations and uh, best of luck as you move forward. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you.